Hello, and welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, sci-fi, and horror novels. I'm Evan. And I'm Chad. And today we are talking about book to screen. So some of our favorite and maybe some of our not favorite adaptations of books and novels into shows and movies. So Chad, what makes a good adaptation, do you think? Like, What makes it so that you're happy when you've seen something that's been adapted from a book you really love into a TV show or movie? Well, the first thing would have to be the characters and how true the show keeps to the characters and their development and the arc, their growth and their evolution in the books. I think that's one of the most important things to me because I, I feel like reading the books, you know, I develop an emotional attachment to the characters. And if they don't harness that same pull in the show, then man, they lose me right away. Uh, I'm not jealous of the role of turning a book series into a show or a movie. Maybe a little more, I'd be a little bit more uh, stoked about doing a show because you have more time, more content to throw in there. But a movie, man, to reduce five, 600 pages down to two hours is so rough. And regardless how you do it, you are going to make so many people upset with you. <laughs> like there's just no way you're going to make everyone happy. No, I mean, even reading some of the reviews for uh, The Wheel of Time, like going on Reddit and people were so mad. People were beside themselves. And like, <laughs> they were just like, this is the worst piece of TV I've ever watched. And it's like, come on. No, no it's, it's not. not. <laughs> no, it's not. You know it. I know it. That wasn't even that bad at all. And it's funny because everybody was saying, um, oh, the new Wheel of Time show is so cringy. And it's like, have you read the books? Yeah. They're a little cringy. They're super cringy. Not all the way through, obviously, but they're pretty, they get a little cringy sometimes. Do you have any, like, in particular, any really favorite adaptations that you've watched? Do you have anything in particular that is just a real favorite of yours? Yes, and I, I got I to throw them out there if we're talking about the best. The Lord of the Rings. Oh, well, that's not even. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that doesn't even. Let's talk about that for a second, because I think, uh, let's get the Aldi font. Okay. Out of the room. <laughs> well said well said yeah obviously the lord of the rings adaptations are absolutely amazing they're incredible i have talked to maybe two people in my whole life <laughs> that have said they didn't like those movies and i forced those movies into conversation to everyone i talked to. the world is beautiful the characters are done well the story progresses pretty all right they get a little lengthy sometimes no those movies are perfect they're perfect dude. no and they like, really the i won't even hear it they're... i won't even hear uh, any criticism about it ever from anyone like one so of good. my roommates tried tried they were just like uh oh, this part goes a little long right here like did they really need to i'm like yes yes they did yes they did because here's why i'm not even i'm not even complaining that the final movie ends like seven times nope totally yeah. fine it all works perfectly i don't totally find it i'll watch the ending over and over again and you know they cut out the whole like where they go back to the shire and saruman has taken over the whole thing like pff, i'm even behind that decision i don't know what tolkien was doing i think he was just like i'm not done with this <laughs> the story must continue and he added this whole another little like chunk at the end like eh. well and i've talked to people that were upset that Tom Bombadil wasn't in there. There are scenes, obviously, that were left out, but I always chalk it up to Peter Jackson making a movie. And that's what I, I mean, it's, it's like, yeah, Tom Bombadil's interesting, but it's like, you're not going to keep that pace going if you right. have that scene. Like, we can all agree that the Tom Bombadil scene in Fellowship of the Ring, while interesting, they're not 
going anywhere or really doing anything like it is very cool but i can see why you know and that's the point it's like the 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 word is adaptation peter jackson had to take some pretty dry book you know and i love those books but people ask me they're like should i read lord of the rings and i always say have you seen the movies (laughs) and they say and if they say no i say watch the movies and if they say yes then i'm like all right watch the movies again and then read the books. They're one of the rare things where I will recommend people to watch the movie before reading the books. Same. Yeah, it's hard. I don't know. I don't want to say that the movies are better than the books because they're both different and and they are what they are in their own way. But it's a pretty rare thing that I say the adaptation to screen is as good, if not maybe a little better than the books. And that one, man, Peter Jackson just knocked it out of the park. I mean, I'm not listening to Howard Shore's incredible score. <laughs> while I'm reading those books, or am I? Peter Jackson had to take, you know, The Two Towers, which in my opinion is like kind of a boring book. I mean, the first half of it is all uh, Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli, Merry, and Pippin and Gandalf and Rohan and stuff and all and all of that with Helm's Deep. And then the second part of the book is Frodo and Sam and Smeagol. And it's not split up the way that it is in the movie. And Peter Jackson had to like be like, okay, so we're going to put this part here from this book you know, because it is technically six books, I guess. So, you know, uh, book three, with is Aragorn and all of them. We're going to take a little bit of that, and then we're going to throw in some Frodo and Smeagol and Sam. And he had to do all of that and keep it really interesting. And the Helm's Deep stuff in Two Towers is like a few pages, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's more of talking about what Rohan looks like and what, what the rivers look like. And, and I'm not trying to say that Tolkien spent too much time describing stuff, but if... Peter Jackson had just like done these big sweeping skybox shots of fields and (laughs) for like two hours, I mean, I would have watched it, but like, I don't know if that many people would have watched it. So yeah, it is just, if you want to like really look at the definition of adaptation, I think that the Lord of the Rings movies are it. They are the, they are the peak. Yeah. So I couldn't not mention that. I will say my one criticism is I don't like what they did with the character of Faramir. Faramir was so cool in the books And he was like just stalwart, moral, and he helped Frodo. Didn't have any sort of like, well, should I bring him back to my father and like earn some points as like the second son? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I'm just going to super disagree with that too because those movies are perfect. (laughs) Because Faramir had to have like a... I think that there there are some liberties that Peter Jackson, I feel like maybe he didn't have to take them, but I'm glad that he did. And some of them were that Tolkien did deal in moral absolutes a lot Mm -hmm. of the time, you know? And so Faramir was just like this straight headed, just like perfect right down the line, like in the books and like having him have like this conflict within himself makes for a better movie. Like if Faramir was just this, you know, just like, I got you guys. But also Faramir's relationship with Denethor is expanded on more by giving him that conflict. Okay. It's like, you know, Faramir wants to do something, you know, a chance for Faramir, son of Gondor, to show his true quality. <laughs> well said. Yeah, yeah. And on that note, what is your, because we could make a whole we podcast really, about we that really, really and make everyone upset with us just nerding out to Lord of the Rings. Um, what is one of your favorite adaptations? I think uh, Jurassic Park It's so good. That's one of the rare ones where I think that movie is so much better than the book. And the book is great. I've never read the book. You never read Jurassic Park? Nope, never, never have. It's much more violent. Really? Yeah, it is an intense read. And it's, I mean, it's Michael Crichton. Like, Michael Crichton's awesome. 
I've read a few uh, Michael Crichton novels, but I've never read Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park is rad. Uh, Lost World is much better than the last three. Really? Yeah. Yeah, they, the first three movies are super awesome. And then the other ones get a little like, mm, okay. And I think the movie does such a good job at addressing what Michael Crichton was trying to talk about with that book. You know, this idea that, wow, our technology is really, is it going to get out of control? Like, are we, and he, you know, it's, uh, I think he has another book where he talks about that too with like, um, with nanotechnology. I think it's called Prey. I could be wrong. But like, it is really interesting to think about, you know, and I think that uh, Steven Spielberg and the whole crew over there, they did such a good job at talking about like, you know, that line, the, you know, your scientists spent so much time wondering if they could that they didn't stop to think that they should. That's mm. like the whole crux of that whole book. And uh, one thing that I think maybe that they, I wish they would have gone into a little bit more detail about was like uh, the book really dives into chaos theory and you know uh, Ian Malcolm like kind of touches on it a little bit right with like the drop of lit of water yeah when he's like flirting with with Laura Dern (laughs) (laughs) oh man Uh, that yeah that's uh, I bring the what did he say what did uh, what did Richard Attenborough say he's like I bring the scientists you bring the rock star yeah (laughs) and I could quote that movie all day but another one that has a solid musical score oh, of course wow you know it's like um the prestige the christopher nolan movie mm-hmm. that movie is a christopher priest book that's a, really yeah and nobody knows about it because that movie is so so good it's almost like the movie was so good that no one even stopped to consider they were just like wow christopher <laughs> nolan made a ball and movie like that movie wow. was so good and it no, really was and then christopher priest is over here just like well yeah i mean i wrote it but yeah i mean uh jurassic jurassic park it'll always be one of those things where the book was so excellent and then they just hit it out of the park with that adaptation and i didn't read the book before i saw the movie obviously because mm-hmm. i was four with the movie <laughs> yeah. but my parents did take me i did see jurassic park in theaters Oh, I'm so jealous. Oh. I was not allowed to see Jurassic Park for a long time. I, well, you should count yourself lucky, buddy, because I went there with my parents and had dinosaur nightmares until I was like 12, probably like just plagued by dinosaur nightmares. <laughs> Never went into a porta potty for the next like four years. Maybe that speaks to like how good of a movie, maybe like in the early 90s when that movie came out and everybody was just like, you know, word of mouth, like no internet or anything. And everybody was just like, dude, you have to go see this movie. And my parents like couldn't find a babysitter. They were like, we have to go see this. This movie apparently is so good. Like we're just, just bring, just bring the toddlers. It'll be fine. You know, and then obviously <laughs> me and Vaughn are like screaming throughout the whole thing because it's ter- it's so loud and terrifying oh and brutal mm-hmm. people are getting eaten left and right and they like they really bring life to those dinosaurs like man they kill it i mean if you watch it i just watched it a couple months ago and it holds up like all of those animations you know you can tell it was but it looks it, it, in, in much the same way that like lord of the rings holds up like all of that mm-hmm. stuff still looks really really good and maybe it doesn't look as good as it would today but do we need it to look that good right now even no i don't think we do i think it is perfect the way that it is and you know there are some movies that do not withstand the test of time uh i was conversing with a friend of mine who had not seen boondock saints and i got rather upset because i was like oh dude classic movie and watched it man it was 
not that good. No, no that's, I, I didn't even like it the first time I watched it. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> it I, was, I right. was like 14. It was so good. I think it's because like there were a lot of like those dudes in high school that like obviously had watched it too many times. Yeah. You know, it's like that guy that gets on the train and you can tell he's watched The Matrix too many times and he's got yeah. like a trench coat and Oakley's and like you're just like, man. Yeah, there's a lot of people who in their 30s were like, I regret getting that tattoo. <laughs> What's an adaptation that, that you saw from a, from a book you really loved into film that you thought just totally missed the mark? Is there anything? Oh, yeah, okay. I almost, I don't really ever leave movies in the theater. I almost left this one because I disliked it so much was Aragon. I did not like the Aragon movie. They changed like the whole story, the progression of his character. I just... It was a great book. When uh, I was in high school, my parents lived probably about 20, 30 minutes out of town. And so if I had something to do like an hour later, I didn't want to drive there just to turn or drive home just to turn around and come back. And so I'd always go to Barnes and Noble and sit there and read a book. And I read that entire series in Barnes and Noble. I would like take it and like hide it behind other books. They even have my bookmark in there. And I read the whole thing in Barnes and Noble and I loved them so much. Wow, that's really cool. So yeah, that has a really special place in your heart. Yeah, and then I watched the movie and man, it was not good. I just thought it was super hokey. I personally like the Aragon movie, cool. but I'm not, I, the only reason I read the first book was because I watched the movie. Oh, really? Yeah, because I, I was like, I don't know, when did the movie come out? Like 2006 or something? Yeah. Yeah, something like that, 2006. I was like 15 or 16, and I was reading other stuff, but I just hadn't gotten Aragon yet. They're very good books. I know, I'm planning on reading those for sure. Uh, maybe we'll read them together on here. Ooh, I would like to. Yeah, it'd be kind of interesting if you'd already read them and I hadn't. It's been a long time since I've read them, though, so I would definitely be down for a... Oh, yeah. I thought the movie was cool. Like, I thought... I, I, did, a, I did a TikTok video on that, actually, where I was like, hey, I thought this movie was pretty good. <laughs> I saw it. Yeah. I wanted to comment, but I was like, oh, I love Evan, and I'm not gonna... <laughs> I'm not gonna be another hater on his comment section. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if I think, like, Jeremy Irons is awesome. He committed to it. You know, uh, John Malkovich's Galvatorix is always gonna be... <laughs> I will say Galbatorix is like one of the coolest names. Yeah, in fantasy. Yeah, very, very cool. I just got the uh, the new Christopher Paolini book. Somebody was kind enough to send it my way. Uh, I'm mm -hmm. going to read that pretty soon. But yeah, I hear you though, because if it's if you had like that kind of experience with the book series where you're reading it in Barnes and Noble, like bit by bit, <laughs> and like you're that committed to it, and then to go in and I just watched that movie recently too, and I could definitely see like why. Because when I watched it, I was like, uh, this is great. This is like a guy with a dragon, like whatever, you know? Like, I don't know. The books did a really good job of like the love relationship that he had. He had this like crush on um, the princess or whatever. And then it didn't really work out. She was like, nah, I can't get with you. And like, I don't know. Just when I was reading it, I had such an emotional pull to that. Maybe it was because I was into all the girls that didn't like me back. <laughs> and so I was like, I get you, bro. Maybe they were trying to only make one movie, right? Maybe because I did just watch it and like it didn't leave like that much. It wasn't much of a cliffhanger at the end. Mm -mm. And maybe that's what they were trying to do was just make the one cash grab movie or something and not try mm -hmm. and like turn it into a bunch more. OK, what did that make you feel like when you're walking out of the theater and you had just watched the Aragon movie? after reading those books like what was your I was so sad I was just disappointed you know like the, there was so much emotional depth for the books and it was so shallow and just like crackerjack I thought it was just like cool they made a movie about dragons and like a kid and just ugh. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. They just like boiled it down to its base layer and left out like all the nuance and the emotion, the things that pulled my emotions into it. And I was just like, nah, not for me. And that's what makes a good adaptation, you know, is when they yeah. keep that stuff. And if they are leaving out nuance and they are leaving out people's motivations and inner conflict and stuff just for the sake of making a movie about a boy and his magical dragon. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah, I can see yeah. that. That would be really disappointing. I'm like, I, I feel like every a lot of people hate that movie so much. And like, I'm over here like, I think it's pretty good because maybe I need to watch it again. And like I said, I've watched it one time and it was a long time ago. So and I hardly remember the book. I just remember loving them so much. And have you read all four of them? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll go for it because I read the first one. Aragon passes out at the end of like every chapter in that book. Like that's the end of every chapter. I remember listening. I read it when I was like 16 and then I listened to it on audiobook recently. Not recently, like a few years ago. And I remember thinking like every chapter was just like, and then Aragon fell into blackness and then everything went dark. <laughs> and it was just like, yeah, this is like five chapters in a row where this kid just can't stay on his feet. <laughs> uh, okay. What is one of your least favorite uh, book to screen adaptations? I mean, we could just pour one out real quick for the eighth season of Game of Thrones because it was fucking garbage. Yeah, Game of Thrones is one of the ones that I had on my list, not in my top three. We could just save that for a whole other episode, honestly, I feel like. Because I have a million thoughts about that, and I hated that eighth season so much. And and I, I hated every second of that eighth season. And I think we should we could do a whole episode. Let's just... Sorry, everybody. We're going to do a whole episode about it because, like, I don't want to shoehorn this into a two-hour game of thrones discussion because that's what it'll turn into if we don't absolutely it will <laughs> but yeah yeah well, okay i won't even i won't even crack open that book let's let's save that for a whole nother episode okay i gotta give an honorable mention i know i threw out lord of the rings and i'll get to one that's uh, maybe a little bit more not so basic here in a minute but i have to i have to say you can like what you like on here chad i have to say harry potter we talked we had we talked earlier about a movie that does a poor job or a good job of like you know like you were saying with wheel of time like none of the characters or the landscape or things it did, didn't match what you had in your head and harry potter did such an incredible job in matching what was in my head i just rewatched or just reread all the books yeah and then watched all the movie. So I'd read the book, then watch the movie, then read the book and watch the movie, which is an excellent way to do it. And they did a really good job. They did a really good job. Yeah, I think that those first two, like uh, Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber of Secrets are like basically identical. Yeah. <laughs> they leave some stuff out, but it's based, like beat for beat. It's the same. Then the, the rest of them all have like their own distinct style. The only one that I would say that the... I enjoyed the movies more than the books. Not that the movies were bad in any way, but just I like the book. I like all the uh, the character development that happens when they're just like in class. You know, they have to cut a lot of that out or else it'd be a 10-hour movie. But the last book, yeah, there's like two or 300 pages where Harry, Ron, and Hermione are just like wandering around in a forest being like, is there a Horcrux behind this tree? Is it under this rock? And then you get in this like, he gets like bored with his own or she gets bored with her own story and is like, well, I guess we'll throw some like Ron being like a little jealous. They did a really good job in the movies, kind of jumping over a lot of that. Yeah, it should have been one chapter. I remember when I was like 17, 18 and reading that book. Oh, man. You know, I was up till five in the morning reading that. And like the day I got it, obviously, and, like I do remember thinking like, you know, this is the seventh Harry Potter book. 
And they have been wandering around in this forest for a while. A long time. And like part of the mystique is Hogwarts. And very little of that book has been at Hogwarts. So it's like it's a very it's a very bold choice to to leave the place that everyone wanted to be. Like I remember I remember like before the book even came out when I heard that it wasn't gonna be like hardly any of it was gonna be at Hogwarts. But they did a really good job with the movies. Like the seventh the first seventh movie, I feel like is pretty good. Um, you know, it hits everything it needs to hit and it's got like a really good ending, obviously, with Dobby and everything. Uh but the the last, the very last movie is just like damn. Like the cinematography is so <laughs> good. It's like everyone on the set just woke up and they were just like, we're making a movie, right? Cool. <laughs> this is a like this is like an emotional art film. Like let's like, yeah. the, the, the the cinematography is like so perfect and like it's all grainy and like the color palette is just so meaty and good. And the weakest part of those eight movies is probably like five and six maybe like eh, like no because five i kind of like turned around on five and like i used to think that one wasn't very good because it's a lot of montages did you notice how many montages are in the fifth harry potter movie? <laughs> no i did not go rewatch order of the phoenix there's like four montages in that movie like where Umbridge is just like walking through the school or like fudge is walking through the ministry or whatever or like that and that weird music is playing and I used to think the fifth movie was bad, but it, it kind of I've changed my tune on that a little bit. Like the ending of it is like really well done, but they they left out the part in Order of the Phoenix where Harry is like you know storming around Dumbledore's office and like wrecking stuff. Yeah, like that. I I was always bummed out about that because I feel like it would have been really cool to see, and I think Daniel Radcliffe could have totally nailed that whole scene. Like would have done a really oh, yeah. good job with that. Their acting's choice was excellent, but I agree. I think it would have shown like a little bit of like. Man, Harry's got a little like maybe not a dark side, but he can get pissed off. You know, he's so like mild mannered, and but he's got like, like a literally bit of a... does have a dark side. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like the movies do a really good job of capturing that, and like the actors do an incredible job too. I mean, like Daniel Radcliffe, Rupert Grant, and Emma Watson are like there for us at least. Like there will all they will always be those three people. You know, yeah, it's just really excellent movies. Like again with the music, I think music does so much to make or break it. You know, I totally agree. I can hear the track in my brain when I think about it. That is interesting, actually, because, yeah, because I, if you had a gun to my head, I wouldn't be able to whistle or hum. Like, I wouldn't be able to sing you the Aragon soundtrack. <laughs> no. <laughs> but I could sing the Jurassic Park theme any day. I could totally. sing I can play Harry Potter. Oh, that's, those <laughs> yeah. are both John Williams. Maybe that's one. I mean, John Williams. John Williams. But Howard Shore. Yeah. Like Howard Shore did Lord of the Rings. If, can you imagine if John John Williams did the Lord of the Rings soundtrack? It'd be like, like lots of horns. Yeah, those Harry Potter movies are really excellent. Like I watched those. I I watched them once a year, uh, right around this time actually. I'm gonna watch them next week, right around Christmas. Yeah, I watched Lord of the Rings once a year in like. Uh, early like late January early February just like when it's like the weather's like the worst that it can be up in Portland and stuff and I I want uh, like the the seasonal defective disorder is like at its peak I'll watch Lord of the Rings in like February which one of the Harry Potter movies is your favorite and uh, compared to which book does it line up with your favorite mm. book man I really don't know if I have a favorite book I know my least favorite is probably the is definitely the last one 
Um, and, and then probably the first one, just because he's so young and like, I'm not 10 anymore. So I, it's less relatable, I guess. But the whole thing has such an emotional pull to me. I grew up, it was the same age as Harry as those books were coming out. Mm-hmm. And I really liked the third one, the third movie and the third book. They, it was a different director and it got a lot darker. Yeah. And a little bit more like gritty and just like, I don't know, it, it wasn't so much a young adult movie or book at that point. It's like, okay, we got some serious things that are happening and it was probably one of my favorites. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. I, I see people talking so much about how the third movie is the best movie. And I, I really disagree. Really? Yeah, I, I don't think it's bad. I mean, Alfonso Cuaron is obviously a really good director. But I don't know. I, just, I felt like the like Prisoner of Azkaban, to me, was always like the cringiest movie. You know, you've got like the shrunken head in the night bus. Which, like, like <laughs> why is that there? They didn't do a good night bus. I'll, I'll give you that. That scene where um, all the Gryffindors are in front of the fat lady and she's like singing and trying to break that glass. And then she like... <laughs> smashes it against the wall and that they're like thank you and then they like walk through and then like that one character like walks through a ghost and he's just all like weird and the ghost is weird and then and it's like and then the very next scene like they're all like in that room like eating candy that like smoke is coming out there like that whole sequence i was just like man you're wasting (laughs) precious adaptation time right now like what are you doing and then like the werewolf like the way that Lupin turns, like the werewolf that Lupin turns into is just like awful. Like looks horrible. And like, yeah, they really do not kill that werewolf. <laughs> no, and then like the, the theme song too is just like the the something wicked this way comes thing is just a weird. Mm-hmm. And like the choir is singing and they're all holding frogs. And I could go on and on about this. Like that movie okay, is. Okay, yeah. I get it. I, can we decide on? Can we agree upon the Goblet of Fire being like a close one of the top pinnacle books and movies? I would say it's definitely one of my favorite books but not one of my favorite movies either really i don't know the movie's pretty cool like i I, i'm like like middle for me okay like it's like up there with one of my favorite books for sure but yeah i think it's like one of the weaker movies like what's your favorite movie uh the last one the last one seven part two which is interesting because i didn't really like the seventh book at all like no seventh book is like way down there for me my favorite book is the sixth one Hmm. yeah half-blood prince is the best book in my opinion for sure. But it's like one of my least favorite movies because Half-Blood Prince is about, in my opinion, it's about Harry learning more about the person he's about to fight to the death. And it's like the sixth movie, it kind of touched on it, but there's just so many, like the scene where Tom Riddle comes back to Hogwarts and talks to Dumbledore is like one of my favorite scenes in that entire series because his eyes are like kind of red, but he still kind of looks like himself. And like, I just feel like I I have like this picture in my head of it being like sunset, the sky is all red to like kind of match his eyes, you know? And Dumbledore is just like, Dumbledore knows exactly why he's there. (laughs) And like Voldemort just comes in, he's just like, I don't know, I was just thinking like maybe, uh, you know, you let me like teach all your kids, you know? Like, and Dumbledore is just like, nope, not having that, sorry. And, and And then Voldemort's like, all right, well, I'm putting a curse on this class. And he does. And it's like, it's such a bummer that that part wasn't added to the movie. And like, like all the stuff with the Gaunt family and stuff, like mm-hmm. Marope and like all of that stuff, so important to Voldemort's character. And that's, you know, kind of wrapping back on what yours and my like definition of a good adaptation is, is like, you have to stick with what is making those characters so complex. And I think they attempted right. it with the fifth movie, 
where Harry was like, you'll never know love or friendship and I feel sorry for you and stuff. But it's like, that's pretty weak. You could have yeah. tackled all of this in the sixth movie. All the information was there. But I think they wanted to make a movie that would appeal to 16-year-olds, which it did. I mean, it appealed to me when I was 16 and like, you know, Harry and Ginny when they're like weird, cringy, like the shoelace scene, like the infamous shoelace scene. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe one of the reasons why I wasn't so critical of some of the movies is how I recently just watched them was like reading the book and then the movie. Mm -hmm. I had all of it in my brain already. So I was already kind of seeing it through the filter of the book. And so I, it wasn't so noticeable that some of the things were left out because I knew they were so fresh in my brain you know it was like I don't know maybe I just didn't notice the gaps because my brain was filling in all the info you were in Harry Potter mode I was in Harry Potter mode okay again we could probably go on for another an entire podcast about this but tell me uh tell me one of your favorites or least favorites whatever you want did you see the new Dune movie yes <laughs> oh yes, man I did. oh boy it's, it's the best movie I've seen in a while it was so good it was awesome. Like the second I, the second it started, I was just like, oh, they nailed it. Like it's perfect. Yep. Honestly, my favorite part of the movie was the sound design. Damn. With that part when they're on get I think it's Getty Prime. Uh they're on like the the the, uh, the Sardaukar, like prison planet. And that person standing at like that lectern, like doing like that throat singing. Yeah. <laughs> that was so and they they did the sandworms so well. So good. It was one of those rare cases when I'm watching an adaptation. It, and it's like, it not only looks like I pictured it in my head, but somehow better than I pictured yes. it in my head. Like everything was just bigger. Like the scope made so much sense. And like that movie had so much um, like weight. It was so weighty. Like it felt uh, so solid and good. And like, well said. One of my favorite things there's, you know, I don't, I'm not a big, like you have to see it in the theater guy. That movie you need to see in the theater because the, one of the best things they did was give a sense of scale. Yeah. There's so many things that you're like, that is fucking huge <laughs> like the spaceships um there's a scene where they get to the dune planet and they come out of this big what i think is like a transporter ship or something this huge circle and it's just massive and just oh man the sense of scale that they portray is very good you saw arrival right oh buddy i don't think so Oh man. Is it, is it a movie? Yeah. <laughs> you should watch Arrival. That's also based off of a Ted Chang short story. Uh that's another adaptation. Really? I'm literally yeah. putting it in my phone right now to watch it. Watch Arrival. You should watch it like when we're done with this. It's so good. Okay, I might. The movie's ridiculous. It's like in my opinion the best first contact movie story ever. It's so When good. was it released? Uh 2016? Really? Arrival. Huh. How have you not seen that? Were you like a? I haven't even heard of it. Oh my god, it's amazing! It's like, and it's the same director that did Dune, and uh, you know, Denny Villeneuve did uh, the new Blade Runner too, which was also super awesome. Which is another adaptation, actually. Mm -hmm. that, that's wild. I'm downloading it as we speak. Like the new Dune movie was great. Like I've read Dune quite a few times, um, and I've I've gotten up to like God Emperor. I read up until the fifth Dune book. And things just started getting like way too out of hand. Like I just, I didn't know what was going on. I, I mean, I reread Dune every couple of years, but like uh, I've only read Messiah, Children of Dune and God Emperor Dune one time. It was when I was like really young. So maybe I'd get it more this time, but that first book is so great. And the, the David Lynch, like 1984 one was pretty cool. I really like it a lot. Like I have fond memories of like my parents watching it and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's such a cult classic, but 
it is you know it's, it's david lynch you know it's like there's some it's kind of gross and like there's some weird parts in it and stuff and and then i think that the new movie did such a great job with the casting the music was really great the so good and you know they had a, an extremely difficult task in front of them to figure out how to build the world without making it forced and what information to give you and what information to not give you because there is a vast library of dune knowledge and history and it's so much and can go so deep there's a lot of terms yeah so many terms they picked exactly enough to give you to make the world fleshed out and full but not so much that you're like drowning in world but it was i thought that they did an excellent job picking exactly the information to tell you and exactly the information to leave out because it would have been a 10 hour 30 hour movie i think that's another mark of a good adaptation is like its ability to deliver the information that you need in an entertaining way because you have all the time in the world with a book Mm -hmm. and the reader of a book knows that it's going to take some time but when you're watching a two and a half hour movie it's like we got to step this up you know we got to get all this information to people um and i think that the dune movie did a really excellent job with that just like you said if i had like one gripe with it I, th- I think it would be that I feel like they focused on a lot of the action scenes a little heavy, you know, and maybe they're trying to make a blockbuster movie. I get it. But it was also kind of what there were some scenes that were left out of the book that I feel like would have maybe delivered some more clarity to people. But they have to have the Duncan Idaho fight. They have to have the Harkonnens storming Arakeen and stuff. And that all makes sense. But uh, the person that played Baron Harkonnen Oh, that was like my favorite part of the whole thing honestly like he's when he's floating around when he's like attached to the ceiling <laughs> yeah. and that one oh man that was so cool yeah that was that's probably like my favorite that i've seen in a while for sure yeah. that was the best movie i've seen this year like hands down oh absolutely okay the last one that i want to talk about and i also maybe want to hype a couple that are one that's coming out maybe um and get your thoughts on it but um is the witcher man oh i still haven't seen it oh i haven't read the books and i haven't watched the show it's so funny i'm a big book guy i like series i like multiple books i like that like you know i've said multiple times i'm always sad when a book ends because i get so emotionally invested in the characters and so the more books that i have to spend time with my newfound friends awesome and the witcher is it's a series of short stories like each book is like a bunch of little short stories um but they're very well done and they're excellent reads. They're fast and fun, kind of like the old like Conan books. They're just like fun romps. I thought that the, only the first two were short stories and then isn't it like a continuous like- Oh, I don't know. I've only read a couple of them. And then I was like, eh, short stories. Where I really hitched my wagon to on the Witcher world was the Witcher 3, the video game. Oh, of course. It is an amazing game, like so, so good. good. It's like what Oblivion like wanted to be. Like, it's just like they, all the side quests have an emotional pull to them. The depth of story is incredible. Uh, the choices that you make and how it affects the world. And that still counts as book to screen adaptations yeah. for sure. Like a really, really good video game. And apparently the show is really great. Too. I really liked it. It's very different than the books. You know, they're just kind of like pulling elements and characters and then piecing it together in their own little thing. So it kind of flows more. Did they start their own story? Kinda. But you haven't read the books. No, either. I've only read the short stories. So I don't really know, actually. But it's not the game story, right? No, it's not. But they do make some like references to some of the characters in the in the in the game. But it was very, very good. The second season is just about to start. Tomorrow. 
Oh, yeah. Really cool. Oh, yeah. I was in Pals today and I heard two people behind me. Like, I'm pretty excited. However, I will say they tricked me or they trick you because the first episode has a fight scene in it that is really well done. Like, awesome, awesome fight scene. And then the rest of the show series and episodes have really good fight scenes in it, but it's not quite that level of perfection. And I looked it up and they actually hired like a super high level choreographer. Uh, for the first episode for that specific fight scene just to like hook you you know and then they use different people for the rest of them (laughs) but man it's still very very good i've been meaning to watch it for sure like i'm really bad with watching tv shows like i'm okay with movies uh i mean i'm two episodes behind in the wheel of time right now and it's only one episode a week and i just like can't remember to watch it but uh yeah like the witcher obviously like i mean there's a bunch of stuff out there like uh, apparently umbrella academy is like really really great but i haven't watched it hmm. it's based on some i think that's a I think dark horse like comics does that there's just so many things that are coming out and like the the, the new um foundation series the isaac asimov like foundation series like I still haven't watched that no i haven't watched that either apparently it's really good oh the the expanse never even touched oh, the expanse dude, you should watch the expanse it's very good i want to read those books like the ninth book the last book just came out we should read those we should read those i really liked yeah. the show it was it was very well done they do space and space um uh physics better than any other show or movie that i've ever seen in my opinion yeah my plan was to read the expanse at some time in 2022 so okay maybe we'll knock out some other series and stuff and then just do like a whole like three months where we just you know upset everybody that's not reading the expanse and read the expanse <laughs> just expanse hard dude i'm down just lose all of our our listeners <laughs> but we'd gain new ones yeah but i want to read that series like definitely me too apparently that show is just excellent it's very good it's very good i got it confused with uh, i got it confused with altered carbon oh okay i kept getting it confused with that um because i think i watched one episode of altered carbon and then one episode of the expanse and I knew that I wanted to keep watching The Expanse, but then I found out there were books, and The Expanse is actually written by two people. Really? Yeah, uh, Daniel Abraham, who wrote The Long Price Quartet. It's like a fantasy series. Um, James S.A. Corey is actually Daniel Abraham and Ty Frank. I don't know who hmm. Ty Frank is. Interesting. I typically don't like that, but it's cool if they can pull it off. What are you, what are you excited about? coming up okay so um one that i'm pretty excited about that i've been meaning to read the books for a long time but i haven't but i've heard really good things and i just like the shape of the world and how i think they'll be written Uh, because again i haven't read them but the children of blood and bone have you read those oh yeah i have the first book here yeah yeah they're young adult books and um they're set in like a west african fantasy world and i think that it's going to be awesome I didn't even know they were making that into Yeah. One. That's really cool. Yeah, and it's um Lucasfilms is going to be making it. Oh, cool. All right. Nice. Wow. Yeah, so Disney is uh is is hooking hooking Lucasfilms wagon up to that series and they're going to make them and I I'm pretty stoked. I think that's going to be really cool. Again, I need to read the books because I've heard really good things. Are all of the books even out? I don't know. Wow. They're just making a TV show with a yeah. an unreleased an unfinished series. I mean, Game of Thrones, right? oh yeah (laughs) that worked out really well yes seriously but yeah so i think uh that one's i'm really excited about and then the other one that i'm like "Mm, 
I have an eyebrow arched in its direction and it could go good, it could go bad uh, because I had mixed, very mixed thoughts on the book. Certainly not bad, but uh, The Broken Earth Trilogy by uh, N.K. Jemisin. I still haven't read those books. You read those? Somebody asks me every day if I've read those books. (laughs) And I've got them. Yeah, I need to get to those. People love them. They have some elements that I really liked and then there were some things that I really didn't like. And I don't know, I think that I think it's going to be a better show than it will be a book. Really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. But so you, I mean, you like the books enough, obviously, to watch the show when it comes out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They weren't bad books. Don't get me wrong. They're not like, I'm like, crap. No, like, they're very good. I, I don't know. It was just maybe the different medium will, you know, make you like them more or something. Yeah. Well, like, like that's kind of what my, what my hope is. So I'm looking forward to that. Like I said, I have an eyebrow arched in that direction and I'm kind of excited to see what they do with it because the books were definitely good enough to read are they in my top 10 no hmm. yeah i'm definitely going to read those like there are some series like next year that i really need like broken earth is one of them um the expanse the mm-hmm. uh, throne of glass like this the other sarah j moss series people were really excited about that and they told me to read there's like eight books like it's a lot of books that's a lot <laughs> so of books, books. That's, a, that's a lot of young adult books yes um but i mean you know uh sarah j moss is pretty good but yeah there are some things that it's it's funny like i I don't even know i didn't even know that children of blood and bone was like or the broken earth were becoming series like i had no idea it's because i haven't really been paying it i've just been reading and doing podcast stuff and writing and just haven't made the time like the wheel of time is like one of those shows where i was like i have to watch that me too i have to see what people do with this gargantuan ridiculous book series i'm disappointed well i'm halfway disappointed myself that i haven't been following it along but then at the same time i like to binge because my memory is terrible and so i really like to just like hit it hard and so i'm kind of stoked that when i was like oh i should really watch those and i like i said started the first episode 40 minutes before we hopped on here um and i was like sweet there's six episodes already out great i got two nights don't read anything about it because like the wheel of time show is cruising it's it's good you know okay. and in my opinion with that kind of stuff it's like it depends on how you look at it i think some things can be maybe not objectively bad but at least some things you could make a very good argument for why it's not worth watching mm. you know or worth playing or worth reading or something but i don't think that the wheel of time show is one of those things i think it's very much worth your time it's just not a carbon copy of the books and in my opinion it shouldn't be a carbon copy of the books I don't want a carbon copy, you know? No. It's like, why do that? Right, just to put a visual on my brain. Like, my brain already has excellent visuals, thank you very much, you know? <laughs> like, I like I like when they kind of go off and do their own thing a little bit. I, I think that's cool. Something that I've been seeing about the Wheel of Time show, like the reaction to it generally, is people comparing it to Game of Thrones. Hmm. And it's not a very good way to go about it. You want the other show to have a life of its own. You know, we don't want Game of Thrones number two, Wheel of Time edition. You know, we want the Wheel of Time. It's going to have its own personality. It's going to have its own missteps, just like the early seasons of Game of Thrones had, too. They're not perfect either. No. They're drawing from the source material, but they're also taking liberties and stuff that people had problems with. And we could get really down deep into what those are. And you can do that with the Wheel of Time, too. I think I'm going to actually enjoy them perhaps more than the books. The books are lengthy. They're lengthy. I think that the show is doing a really good job at just kind of cramming everything in and getting us going. Like, I mean, those books are 
they're, they're they're just like vicanius though i mean it's like they're they're very drawn out mm-hmm. a lot of stuff going on a lot of world building a lot of world building and stuff and kudos to the people that are making the wheel of time who can cram it all in there and you know i i care about what's going on the sets are so gorgeous the cgi is a little eh, it's, it's a little wonky i mean they do have all that amazon money i wonder what they're spending it on yeah, they gotta CGI get the watch the second i watch the second yeah. season they'll be like okay now we're trying time to pony up the real cash you know yeah i mean like i hate to do the thing that i just said people shouldn't do but like if you watch the first <laughs> season of game of thrones it doesn't look amazing no. either you know i mean it looks better than the first <laughs> it looks better than the first yeah. season of, but only you know in some respects it looks worse than the new season of wheel of time like some of those shots in those episodes in the new wheel of time show are really gorgeous Dude, i was really impressed well with together a few of them and i'm only you know yeah. 40 30 40 minutes into the first um episode but some of like the pan shots of like this cool like towering rock formations it was just gorgeous totally. i was like dang that's pretty. Yeah, I think I think the show is really gonna like hit its stride. And that's another thing too is you know you got to give stuff a chance. You know, like give it a chance. Yeah. It's, I mean, it it doesn't have to be literally perfect because nothing's literally perfect. So that's what I say. Yeah, and you know, time adds value. You know, the more you get invested in something, the more you tend to like it. And so I think that well, I mean, or dislike it, but I don't know. I think uh, I think with a little bit of time, it's gonna. It's going to be good. And like I said, I don't dislike the 35 minutes that I've watched of it so far. Oh, did you watch the Narnia movies? I did. Yeah. What did you think about those? I enjoyed them. I enjoyed yeah, them. Right. They, they, you know, they, were, <laughs> they were one of the first yeah, fantasy novels um, that I ever read. And I'm a big C.S. Lewis fan. I love C.S. Lewis. A lot of his other stuff as well. But um, they were good. They were they were good representations of the books. Um, you know, what I watch them again <laughs> i think the lion the witch and the wardrobe is really good yeah yeah that's a really then good they kind of yeah. fall off which i was sad because like my one of my favorite books was the voyage of the dawn Treader. um i, Ooh, yeah, I love really that book one. and the movie mm, not great not great uh, yeah I, I don't even remember it <laughs> i just remember being like eh, nope i really wish they would have made the horse and his boy into a movie mm. That is such a sleeper pick. Like, that's such a good book. It really and is. I feel like it would have translated better to screen than The Voyage of the Dawn Trader would have. Yeah. So I want to talk about one more thing before we go. Uh, one more adaptation that is near and dear to my heart, but also totally bums me out at the same time. What did you think about the Hobbit movies? well i was gonna like segue when we were talking about lord of the rings into those but like i'm glad we didn't because they don't deserve it (laughs) that's why i didn't that's why i didn't i wasn't gonna flavor the perfection and awesomeness (laughs) of lord of the rings with the hobbit series the first movie was pretty good like all right but boy they just went downhill from there Uh, they just got the third one was the best really yeah i thought third one because it's the shortest oh okay I mean, I don't know. I felt like they had all the pieces to do what they did with the Lord of the Rings and make an awesome movie. And they just like missed it. Like, I just, I didn't have the love for the characters that I had. Like, ah, man, I just, what did you think? I mean, I think that Martin Freeman as Bilbo was excellent. Killed it. Perfectly cast. And I think they attempted some stuff with Thorin, mm-hmm. tried to make Thorin like, you know, a little more interesting. And, you know, as far as like staying true to the characters, like, I mean, I guess like the dwarves weren't really characters to begin with. No. So it's like, man, 
and I'm not I don't even think that adding storylines or or other characters like Tariel like people complained about Tariel but I thought she was like a totally fine addition like I don't mind seeing more characters it's just like the whole thing just felt very chaotic and silly and not in a way where it felt like this is a children's book and the Lord of the Rings is not and uh, it felt just there's no there's no tension anywhere right. you know it's like the the fight scenes and stuff are just so all over the place there's no emotional like weight to anything that's going on and it if you add on top of it just how drawn out everything feels you know just every scene is just it's just it's ending too late starting too early scenes you know like these big establishing shots and this big swelling music and then coming down and no one's doing anything. It's like epic with no reason. They needed to pick a lane. They either need to make it lighthearted and fun, or they need to make it like serious and like dark. And they kind of bounced back between the two and totally it just didn't stick. No. And like the whole second movie, I feel like could have been 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because there's a fan edit that I've seen, which is like three and a half hours or something. And it's still bad. Wow. Like it's like it takes all nine, ten hours of like all those movies and just cuts so much stuff. And it's still and it's still bad. And it really just goes to show that just everything the CGI was bad. Mm-hmm. And it's like you can't help but compare it to the Lord of the Rings. Like you just it's the same music, it's the same director. I mean, like, and you know, um, it seems like maybe Guillermo del Toro was like at the head of that project for a while and then left for some reason i don't remember why he left but then peter jackson had to take over and so i understand that like you know i've heard that peter jackson was like writing the script like on set like trying to you know they were going like just barely finishing days knowing what they were gonna (laughs) do but yeah i mean i like the music and you know i'll still i don't think that they're like terrible movies but it's just it's such a bummer because i feel like they could have just made one solid solid movie you know it's just even two i'll give them two like two hobbit movies would have been totally fine it would have been a little drawn out but it would have been cool but yeah three movies for a 250 page book is just and i think that it's funny because i've watched some of like the special features on that and like interviews with peter jackson and stuff and just seeing him try to just justify why it needed to be three movies it's just like man i really appreciate that you're you're you you seem like you're on our side but this really came down to money like it must have really come down to money i could be wrong i really could be wrong but it feels it smells like money yeah and like you know in his defense tolkien does have like maybe not a bad habit but a habit of ending a story and then tacking on a whole nother chunk right like they get smog taken care of and then all of a sudden, like the battle of five armies yeah. happens. Yeah. And it's kind of like at the end of um, the trilogy when they go back to the Shire and it's like, wow, we have this whole nother arc of Saruman's taking it over. We got to free the Shire. And, you know, Tolkien does the same thing at the end of The Hobbit um, where he's just like, yay, we've fixed the problem. Everything's good. And then boom, we have this whole nother like story element that occurs. And you know, it's, it's not necessarily a bad habit. It would be difficult to do with a movie. I don't know. It wouldn't be that difficult. Just make a sweet battle and then end it. <laughs> I mean, this, I mean, that's kind of the reason that I like the third movie is because it is basically just a sweet battle yeah. and you end it. Like, I mean, they like there's some dumb parts. Like, the stuff with the extra characters that they added in, like, Dale, mm-hmm. the city. Um, I thought that was all kind of kooky. Yeah. And 
ridiculous and just like padding like legolas being in there it's kind of like whatever and like <laughs> but there's some cool fight scenes that you know it's, it's... a red sun rises blood has been spilt this day like okay yeah he wasn't <laughs> that cool in the, in the Hobbit. <laughs> no. his eyes were really pretty though yeah they, but i mean um yeah i mean it's they're not amazing like but while i do watch the lord of the rings at least once a year i will watch the hobbit maybe one time in the next few years yeah once a decade it's all right and it does still do its job and it still gives me that feeling of oh yeah like i'm watching lord of the rings kind of there's a sense of nostalgia to it for sure totally yeah and there are parts that i really like i mean all the parts with martin freeman are great like very good um even gandalf like ian mckellen does a really good job and even though um, i've read that he wasn't super excited about the production on that either but i like the part with the orcs i think they did pretty good in that scene where they're like staying on top of the mountain and then the orcs take him from the cave you know um oh yeah i thought that was well done yeah and like in you know the riddles in the dark scene with uh with bilbo and Gollum and stuff and the whole i feel like the 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 first movie isn't horrible and the third movie is probably the best of all of them but that second movie is just so bad like (laughs) the whole scene where they're in uh, the Lonely Mountain. Is it Eridor? Is that what the dwarves' place is called? I think so. Anyway, uh, and they're in there, and there's like they like start all the the furnaces and stuff, <laughs> and like the smelter. There's like literally like lava gold like flowing everywhere, <laughs> yeah. and then like and then like smog like dives in and like comes out. And he's like all covered and. <sighs> but uh, that's you know maybe they'll maybe they'll do it again. Because that is another thing with adaptations is we think that these things are timeless, just like they probably did in the 60s and 70s, but they're going to make them again. They absolutely are. And you know what? That's one that I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Do you think that they'll uh, do you think they'll do a Harry Potter remake? Oh, man, I don't see. I don't want them to like I I don't know what they could do to make it better. Like, I don't think they should do that with Harry Potter. I don't think they should do that with um, Lord of the Rings. Well, they won't do it with Lord of the Rings. It's like remaking the first, like, three Star Wars movies. Like, just leave it alone, okay? They're great. I mean, they have their issues, which we do not need to go into. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that, I don't think that anyone's going to touch the Lord of the Rings movies, no. personally. Like, if you wanted my take on it. But I think they're going to read. There's too much money to be made if they made a Harry Potter show. Yeah, they're making, like, um, they're making a Lord of the Rings um, show, totally. which I'm really yeah. excited about. And that's like, it's yeah. supposed to be set like hundreds of years before any of that happens. More of like Silmarillion stuff, I think. Yeah, I think it's the first or second age. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. I think that the best kind of show that that could be, the thing that I would really like to see with the Lord of the Rings show, is the rings being made. Ooh, me too. All of that. Yeah. That would be really cool. Yeah, that would be really, really cool. But, you know, maybe they'll do something really random you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> like maybe they'll maybe they'll do like um like morgoth i don't know we'll see yeah i don't it'll, it'll be, i haven't maybe. done um sorry to interrupt you but i haven't done any research into uh really what the story is going to be based around or anything i'm just excited to like dip my toes into that world again because i love it so much I think that about wraps it up for us today. I agree. I uh, I love hearing your opinion as always. And I uh, want to just thank everybody for the time and listening. And uh, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please subscribe to our Patreon. We enjoy talking to you. And we want to bring you more awesome discussions just like this one. And we'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody.